Welcome back, humor consumers, to the Life Happens Laugh Anyway podcast. I'm comedian Tracy DeGraff. And I'm Catherine, co-host and bestie. All right, co-host and bestie, here we are in the pod lab. And friends, we are recording episode number 152. Mm-hmm. It's Getting a big along. deal. And the topic of the day is Christmas under fire. Right, that it's we a, got from a documentary. Yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. It's a short, it's called a short film because it's short. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, less very, than, it's less than 10 minutes long. Which was also appealing right now anyway. It, it wasn't, it wasn't because it was appealing that yeah. it would only take us 10 minutes to watch the documentary, but then we got to fill, you know, figure it out and figure out what to say. I think we always have things to say, don't yeah. you? Yeah, but are they worthwhile? I don't know. <laughs> That's the question. I guess our <laughs> listeners will determine yeah. if they are. Uh, so we're going to get to that. And we do have an outline, believe it or not. And we have some takeaways. So bear with me. Before we get to that, Catherine, tell mm-hmm. our listeners about our sponsors. Well, our sponsors, they have been just a huge support for us. They contribute on a monthly basis, $5. And it's very easy to be a contributor. One can just go to tracydegraff.com, follow the, the prompt on the, I think it's on the right side and it, it'll say podcast. It's super easy. You just click on it and follow through. Or if you get our emails, that's super easy too. Mm-hmm. And we're right now in the midst of raising like doing a little fundraiser to raise funds for better equipment and some training so that's a little above and beyond what our normal contributions are so if if anyone feels the calling to help us achieve that goal we sure would appreciate that as well. You feel the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You feel it. <laughs> I feel it. I hear him saying your name. You. Yeah. <laughs> you. Yeah. And we're we're pushing ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're always pushing ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the good news is we do have enough money. And in fact, this morning I ordered the new microphones. Mm-hmm. So we are getting new microphones uh, the first week of December. Yeah. So that's going to be great. Let's hope we know how to use them. Well, that's just it. We need the training, right? Yeah. And well, more on the the video, the editing end of it and stuff, and editing, right? Yeah. But that's where that's where the news comes in, the big announcement news type of thing. And we've been telling people, Kath, I keep pushing Catherine because she doesn't want to do it, but she's going to do it. Mm-hmm. We're adding video to this podcast. We've been saying it maybe for a couple of years, a year. It, You've it's been, been a while. It. Yeah, for a couple of years. That's true. Yeah. Because and, you know, I just have to say real quick mm-hmm. about using the microphones. You said, I hope we, you know, learn how to use them. Yeah. Major thing would be to not use them upside down or, or backwards, backwards like we did in the beginning with these microphones. Well, and that's not to say that we put it in the stand upside down. Like, no, we just t- put it in backwards. We didn't know that these microphones have a diaphragm in them and you have to speak directly into it. <laughs> we didn't know that. We thought you could just put it up and it would pick up your sound and yeah, we, we could hear fun. each other through our own little ears you know they didn't come with instructions no so just like an apple phone doesn't come with instructions That's you have to crazy. figure it out and and we did and we will so we will conquer so those of you that can hear my voice right now praise the lord <laughs> you're gonna hear it better once we get our microphones put together <laughs> true and hopefully in 2024, that's the target date for adding video. And that is a much more costly endeavor because mm-hmm. we have to purchase a video camera and a video lens. That Those two pieces right there mm-hmm. are a few thousand dollars. So that's where the, the, the crunch is yeah. right there. So we will add it as the Lord provides. So if you feel the nudge, 
just go to my website and give. <laughs> it's the time of giving. Yeah. All right, let's jump into this episode. Let's do it. Christmas Under Fire. A few takeaways. We're going to give you a brief summary of the documentary, even though we're going to talk longer about it than it actually would yeah. take you to watch it. So you could watch it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also going to go into how to keep the morale up during difficult times. Yeah. What can you do if you're going through a tough time to keep up your own spirits? Keep, Mm -hmm. keep your, keep, stay encouraged. And then the third takeaway is going to, we're going to talk about why we celebrate in difficult times, which is kind of similar to the second one, but like, why do we bother? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, call to action. We always do a little call to action. So stay tuned for that. And then of course we have scripture. We have a few different scriptures to share. All right, Catherine, if, if uh, somebody's listening and they've never even heard of Christmas under fire, give them your, you know, brief summary. It opens up with the uh, man, I forgot his name, and I didn't write it down, who he says that he was in England and that he had spent some time there filming. Through their devastation, he specifically wanted to film what were they doing during the Christmas season. And so it's his perspective on that endeavor. And so he was flying home back to New York on the opening of the documentary. And so then he, and this was 1940, he says that he did this, but it was released in 41. And anyway, even though it was short, it was kind of inspiring more so than depressing because they showed, or rather he showed bombed out areas that had, like he, he described it as a Christmas of contrast. So there's holly next to barbed wire. There's tinsel on like fences and places of destruction. There's people cutting down little small Christmas trees because they couldn't do bigger ones because of the places in which they tried to celebrate. There, I mean, they had to be in tunnels. They, if they had a basement, I don't, not a lot of people have basements in England, but if they did, they were celebrating down below or trying to celebrate. And so it was a interesting eye-opening documentary. Yeah, it's a it's quick a, summary. It's uh, surreal to think about being under fire. Yeah, a- and really, what what they were talking about being under fire? Yes, they were at war. It was World War II, but they were under what they called the Blitz, and yeah. the Blitz was an attack from Germany to Great Britain. It was an attack of constant. Barragement. Right. They were just constantly uh, under fire, throwing those things. And they started, I think it was in September, and it didn't end until the spring. This bombardment of constantly. And they sort of showed in some ways how Brits, in in one way, it made me it made me laugh how Brits are, how they say that thing of keep calm and and carry carry on. on. I Mm. mean, that was like their mantra was guess what? We're not going to bend and bow to this. Mm-hmm. We're not giving over our country and our way of life. We've got tea to have. <laughs> we got to have our tea. Right. And we're going to have it. Yeah. And we're going to be calm with a stiff upper lip while we do it. Yeah. And I think that's something. It for sure is. I think under the leadership of someone like Win- uh, Winston Churchill, that that was really good for them because, he, you know, he always said we will never 
surrender <laughs> and my mom likes to imitate him and she, does. she does it really well yeah and you know you think about the uh what if they had caved what if they said this is too much for us and we just give up yeah right right how would the world look different today mm-hmm. how would we how oh would our gosh. lives be different well england would be germany a half of europe would be germany right if things were different had different results right yeah uh, also during that time in 1940 Winston Churchill was begging the hmm. United States to back them up. You know, they were begging, mm-hmm. uh, come help us get in the war. And the United States was reluctant. Mm-hmm. They were like, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> because World War One was still in memory. You know, World War One was like, what was it, like 1914 and 1918 or something mm-hmm. like that? So this is only a few decades, decades later. And... that was a horrific war and that was supposed to be the great war the war to end all wars yeah it was supposed to world war that being said it's interesting though because when you think about so america didn't want to get involved because of that but for europe that was their in their back door you know that they were way more affected because it was well obviously they had no choice yeah so they had the same thing. So Churchill was constantly knocking on the American door going, uh, over here, <laughs> we could use you. And some people criticized this film and called it war propaganda, mm-hmm. saying that it was just made up to try to win favor for everybody to get involved in the war, including the United States. Well, it wasn't effective in that regard. Well, it's interesting because uh, the narrator, the one who did the film, he says in it, America doesn't need to feel sorry for England because as England doesn't feel sorry for herself, she carries the torch of liberty uh, against terrorism. Yeah. I don't see how that could be, you know, propaganda. Well, I think that in and of itself is sort of saying, you know, we don't need you. We're, we're, we're fine over here saving the world by ourselves against this evil. Yeah. You know, well, there's, there's different ways that everyone can look at the way that something is worded, the way that things are said. Obviously, when it comes to war, there's the fog of war, you know, which things come out one way, but they really are another. Mm-hmm. And this was a terrible time mm-hmm. for people. There was a lot of evil that was controlling, obviously, Hitler. We mm-hmm. know that mm-hmm. now. I think that a lot of people recognized it then. And it was really Great Britain was trying to stay out of the conflict as well. But they got involved when Germany came through Belgium. Mm-hmm. And when they came through Belgium and destroyed it and took over and murdered innocent people, Great Britain had to stand up and they did. Yeah, it's, and they're so close to Belgium. Yeah. yeah. And, and one thing that I researched about today's episode um, Somebody said that Winston Churchill must have been jumping up and down when Japan attacked <laughs> oh, the United States. <laughs> Secretly, maybe, but yeah. Yeah. I think it's back to the documentary. I thought it was so interesting that uh, there were things that I hadn't, you know, I don't recall knowing. Uh, one of them was that no church bells were allowed right. to ring, which they always had at Christmas time. And it was the first time ever that they weren't allowed to ring because if they rang, then that would indicate that the enemy was approaching. So they couldn't do things like that. Yeah. Little interesting tidbits like that. That was impressionable. I think too, that England, the fact that they were known as um, a place of shops, you know, for shopping, but their shops were 
destroyed or windows blown out and yet shop owners were hanging uh, signs and things you know that basically that they were still strong that kind of like in the pandemic people entrepreneurs and things found another way right to um, service or or uh, make money yeah and do business know, I did not know that England was known as shopkeepers and such and there was somebody that some world leader that said that England will just roll over because they're just a bunch of shopkeepers. They're <laughs> not they're not going to fight for the country. Mm. Well, yeah, they were wrong. Not that wrong. Yeah. Because I think small businesses and things that I think that's one of the things that they're keeps them going you know you 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 have that opportunity you're able to do such things like that and they had industry as well I think that it's the that spirit of freedom uh, to have you know entrepreneurs and things like that that would keep them going or did they mean that they didn't have enough army is that what it meant they felt like they were just shopkeepers like with their little apron and their little pencil and paper Mm. and they're not going to pick up a gun and shoot somebody type of thing they got that wrong and i mean i'm hopeful that in the back of the minds of the people that were getting involved and fighting that evil that they were remembering what they did hear about or or experience on some level from World War One, yeah. because Germany was messed up. Yeah, they were messed up. Right. I'm surprised that they have any friends at all. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Seriously, I know. it is like uh, our country had a short-term memory in a way. It just seemed like I don't know, but we weren't born yet, so it it just seemed like we became allies quickly. For well, when you think about the the devastation. Okay, but maybe. Maybe it's because the true evil that was stirring in Germany really was snuffed out because it wasn't the German people that were, you know, rising up with this way of of fighting. It was the dictator. You know, it was Hitler. And then he got together with uh, the Italian guy. I forgot his name now. Mussolini. That guy. That's true. But there there were quite a few uh, people that did support him. Uh, not as many as I I, you know, as yeah, one would well, think. True, but they probably but, changed and they were their held, minds after they saw some stuff. They probably went, oh, it's not well, good. I think that is so interesting that nobody knew what what they were doing to Jewish people. Like the Americans yeah. didn't know because the Germans, uh, well, Hitler didn't allow cameras or, you know, the radio and, and things like that to, um, to be broadcast. So, and whenever there was filming of Germany, it was like, it, it was set up. It was it's not the, the real, it was, it was fake news. Right. It was a narrative yeah. that was designed right. to promote whatever the idea was yeah. that, that they wanted. So it was shocking when they discovered these camps. They had no idea. Yeah. They were already, they, even though they were over there fighting, they just didn't know until the end exactly what was going on mm-hmm. well it was it was tough for great britain and all those countries and and during that particular christmas of 1940 that this film is about you know obviously they show as Catherine pointed out the everyday ordinary people who okay they would they would uh, sound the alarm that there's an air raid mm-hmm. and people would just like in factories they showed these people in factories and they would just carry along 
go along just like they were, you know, working along. And yeah. then all of a sudden they'd put their tin hat on, <laughs> you know, and then they would just keep working like nothing else was happening. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, too, that, like you said, regular citizens, they had to do things like patrol the streets. Like if they weren't off fighting, they were patrolling uh, streets. They were putting out fires, driving ambulances and things like that. And those were probably, you know, shop owners and whatever you know yeah do you remember that scene in it's a wonderful life when all of george's friends you know are off to war but he couldn't go because he couldn't hear in one ear and he became the air raid warden yes and he goes around blowing his whistle and then he spit (laughs) yes yeah he's like a different kind of george by then some bitter guy you know it's interesting that you brought that up because the man that did this um short film and who narrates he sounds exactly like the so-called angel in okay. It's a Wonderful Life when yeah. when the narrator says about uh, George's brother Harry, he went off to war and became a war hero. I can't do the voice, but and I looked it up to see if it was the same guy, yeah, and I don't believe that it was. But you know, you know how different decades people sound, yeah, like the same tone or however they're trained to talk, right? Um, but it, wow, did it sound exactly the same? I I hadn't really realized. I don't know why I didn't realize um, that. Yeah, that w- that would be the time when all of the young men would be off to war, mm-hmm. and there would be the ones that were left at home. And remember, they showed on It's a Wonderful Life they had to do rubber drives and paper drives. Yes, war bonds. They needed all these resources to be able to fight, and yeah. people came together. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that really is. If you want to say there's there could be one beautiful thing about war, is that it can bring people together to fight against you know whatever it is they're fighting against because you forget about these other little trivial things that you've been bickering about yeah it's strange war yes it can definitely unite but it can also divide if you're on different different political views and things like that yeah i think when it's bad enough when the enemy is knocking on your door with bombs Mm. i'm pretty sure that puts everybody on one side (laughs) you know hopefully yeah because uh then you're like, okay, we got to get rid of these bomb people. Yeah. Well, like 9-11 brought people together. Yeah, yeah it sure did. Different sides. It sure did. Okay, anything else about the documentary? Uh, Well, I love how it had said that, you know, England was going to celebrate the Prince of Peace like they had in the past for a thousand years. That's right. And they were determined to still worship him. Yeah. And so I, uh, I like that. I love that, too. Another part that took away from that. I mean, that pretty much sums up most of it. You know, just hearing you say that, that England was going to do that like they had for the last thousand whatever years, it just makes me crazy how young our country is. (laughs) Our country is so young. Yeah, I know. Compared to the other countries. Obviously, the land was here. Yeah. But it wasn't a nation. Right. Interesting. Or it wasn't our nation. It was somebody's nation. But yeah. It, well, right. Anyway. Exactly. I know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to point number two. And if you think of something else from the documentary, you mm-hmm. can you can always go back to it. I would say as a little aside, if you're looking for something to just sort of inspire you, take a look at the documentary. It's on YouTube. It's yeah. free. Mm-hmm. It's Christmas Under Fire. And you just watch it. Yeah. And just think about what life would have been like for maybe your grandparents or, I mean, your grandparents would have been young parents at that time Mm -hmm. you know young adults 
and mm-hmm. trying to raise kids and they had to go through that. I mean, Catherine's grandparents actually lived in England. You know, her mm-hmm. mother's mom and dad lived in England, had four children. So your mom yeah, was the... And my mom. Well, your mom was the youngest, right? My so, mom was, I think, yes. So in 1940, mm-hmm. they were just trying to, you know, care for and provide for a young family. Yeah. And then they had to deal with all this. Right. My mom was born um, on Christmas Eve, actually, in 43. And she has had, anyway, um, very vivid memories of the gas masks and the dark curtains. And uh, she talked about that forever. So I guess even though the war was over in 45, which she only would have been two, they were still affected. Yeah, and I'm sure that she grew up hearing stories about various things too. So, All right, Uh, so Catherine, what say you? How do we keep up the morale during difficult times? Since you're in it, you're in it right now. Tell tell our friends what you're kind of going through and what you're doing to keep your morale up. Well, my sister and I are... uh, We're... (laughs) trading off custody of our mom because Wendy she needs a break and uh and I like to care for my mom as well so we had my mom uh this whole month in November and it's been very very difficult lately Uh, um she's definitely regressing Mm -hmm. uh, declining yeah um she has Alzheimer's in case we have a new listener and so without going into all that detail, it's just been, it's, oh my gosh, it, it has been very hard. Anyway, what I wanted to do was get my Christmas stuff up as early as possible. So in between her sleeping and me just, you know, out of desperation, I got out uh, and Kenny helped me too. Uh, we got out our Christmas tree and I just wanted the lights up mainly and so I could see the warm glow of the lights. So I put them all around the windows. I put both trees up. They don't have ornaments on them yet, but they have the lights. Mm-hmm. So, and I have to say, it really did lift me. It feels warm and cozy in the evening. And it's a sense of um, uh, calming, you know. And so, so to say, what are some ways that you can keep the morale up? Let's just say, like, just during the holidays and, and Christmas, just what are those things that you've always liked? What are the traditions? What are some things that make you feel co- cozy and fuzzy and warm inside? Mm-hmm. Uh, get them out and do them, even at, as hard as it might be. You know, just one more thing to do or one more chore. It's it's probably worth it if it yeah. brings you comfort. So those are some ways. Um, And you had mentioned before when we were talking about the documentary that keeping a sense of normalcy. Yes. And familiarity is sort of a nice way to say, okay, well, we're in this season of real challenge and stress, but we, we at least have our Christmas tree up. Exactly right. Yes, I forgot to say that, that it's a sense of normalcy. And that's what, in, yeah, that's what they did. They put tinsel up, they got their trees, they did what they could do, yeah. uh, despite all of the, you know, chaos going on around them. You know, I think that's really the key is doing what you can, because if you focus on what you can't change, mm-hmm. you can't change the fact that your mother has Alzheimer's disease. Right. Can't change that. No, cannot change that. There's no changing nope. it. And so if you focus on what you can do and work around it, you do the best you can. Exactly. You're just putting one foot in front of the other and mm-hmm. you're not giving up. You yeah. Know? Yeah. 
speaking of my mom and um you know the care she needs i'm just gonna say hi to joan i see that she texted uh twice just now and i know joan listens hi joan <laughs> yeah hi joan uh so you'll i'll be getting back to you before this <laughs> is over but just so you know um i i saw your text and and that's one of the things that Doreen needs, Catherine's mom. She needs 24-hour, seven days a week care. Mm-hmm. And so Catherine and Wendy do all that they can, and then they get caregivers to come in and help when, they, like when Wendy has to go to work or when Catherine has to come here or go do groceries or whatever, mm-hmm. they get care. That good comes care in. from caring people. Oh, very good care. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I think that is so scary for loved ones who have a family member that needs care is finding somebody who's good and reliable and trustworthy and, trust- yeah, and going to take care of them. Yeah. 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 So I appreciate you, Joan, so very much. And if you're if you're a believer and a, and a praying person, please pray. Mm. Please pray for Doreen and, yeah. and pray for Catherine as she and her family go through this because if you've been on that road of having someone with dementia or Alzheimer's, you know that it's a difficult road and it's a long road. Yeah. They call it the very long goodbye. You know? They do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So pr- keep them in your prayers yes. for strength yeah. and reprieve and respite, you know. Yeah, and for all. Wendy too. Yeah, yeah. yeah for everybody. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I wanted yeah. to say this about keeping up morale during difficult times. Many years ago, um, I don't know if I've shared this uh, little story on the podcast. I can't remember now, but my mom died. Yeah. She died of bone cancer Mm -hmm. and she died when she was only 51 and it was really tough. It was four and a half years of very, very difficult disease. It was so painful. Bone cancer is a very painful, um, relentless disease. And so for her to die that young that meant I was young. I was 27, right. I think. I think I was 27 when she died. So, mm-hmm. And I was only 22 or 23 when she got sick. Mm-hmm. So all those years of my 20s, those almost five years of my 20s decade, was, was dealing with that. Yeah. Well, the last moment that I have with her. Yeah. So she had been on this journey for four and a half years with bone cancer as a young woman herself at the age of 47 diagnosed. She had aspirations and goals for herself. She had quit her job. She worked at a hospital for many years as I was growing up and she decided to quit. She was an x-ray technician and she was going to go into graphic design. Totally different career. So she went back to college when I was in college Mm -hmm. and she had pain in her shoulder and she it turned out to be cancer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she had to quit college and she had to deal with radiation and chemotherapy and trips to the doctor. And, and at that time, uh, she died of this disease called multiple myeloma. It's like a cancer of the blood that attacks the bones. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like a leukemia yeah. type thing. Well, they didn't have a lot of people that treated it. It was very rare. Mm-hmm. And so she had to go to Mayo Clinic in Minnesota to get treated by this expert who treated just that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so off we go, and I made many trips with her to go to this thing. Anyway, after four and a half years, the the treatments were done, her body was done, she was dying, and she was in hospice care. And I was with her um, to the end, but my last conscious moment with her, um, I was scared to death because I was like, I don't want this to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, I just just didn't want it to happen, as nobody would. Mm but I walked in the room, I had been crying and repeating a verse the yeah. whole way to her house, which was like an hour and a half drive for me. Yeah. And my dad had called and said, this is it. 
you know, yeah. you need to come now. So I knew, like, this is it. <laughs> now, now what? So I'm crying. I'm driving on Interstate 80. I'm traveling, you know, to see my mom. And I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm sick. My stomach hurts. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying um, Isaiah 41.10 over and over and over. Yeah. It says, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. Mm-hmm. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I just kept saying it over and over and over. When I walked into the house, there she was, and her face lit up and she smiled and she was like, oh, you're here, you know, and she had cards out. Mm -hmm. She wanted to play rummy with me. And that immediately took that pit out of my stomach. Yeah. And the verse, of course, helped me just to feel like, okay, whatever it is, I don't know what it's going to look like, but whatever it is, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I sat down with my mom. And she played rummy with me. And mm. she was cheating, Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> she was cheating. I know. She had this scarf on to cover mm. her bald head. And she was pulling cards out of her scarf and out of her sweatshirt. And then so she funny. thought it was so funny. Well, that was answered prayer for sure. It was. Yeah. But here's the point is that there was my mom. She could have said, why me? Poor me. This mm. is terrible. Why now? Why this? But she didn't. Yeah. And she looked around for, well, what do I have? Yeah. I can't control the fact that I have bone cancer. I can't control the fact that I'm 51 years old in the prime of life. And yeah. this is how I'm going to go out. Mm. And I've got my daughter here who's a brand new mom herself. Mm. And she's a mess. And then my brother and sister were young adults. And we were all, you know, a mess. Anyway, what she chose to do was look at what she could control. Yeah. And she said, okay, I, I've got this deck of cards here's my daughter, you know, and, and we're going to play cards. What a perfect example that she set for you. It was. Yeah. She, I mean, she didn't give me any kind of a speech, but boy, her actions spoke louder than words. Yeah. And then after that, you know, her condition worsened and we never had any more conscious moments. I mean, I was mm-hmm. with her when she physically left the, the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't have any more conscious exchange. There yeah. was a little bit of hand squeezing and such like that. But I think it's a good reminder for all of us, no matter what we're going through, just mm-hmm. look for what you can do. Look mm-hmm. for what you can control. Yeah. And try to find some good. Yeah. For Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, mm. Another another thing, one other thing I want to say about how to keep up your morale in difficult times is the gratitude. Oh, yeah. We just covered <laughs> that in, in the last episode. So after this one go back to episode mm-hmm. 151 and listen to what Catherine and I say about being grateful yeah you know I, I was just thinking that I forgot to mention those two things in um you know keeping the morale up and keeping your chin up was those two things I did think of that scripture myself too a lot um this past month especially and yes, the, the grateful list and the, you know, uh, spirit of gratitude has helped tremendously. I do have a confession, though. What is it? I have, um, I've really not been in the word this month that much at all. I, I don't know if it's like a pity party or what it is, but um, thankful for the Holy Spirit because I'm feeling I need to get back to that but uh, yeah I'm feeling it too yeah that I haven't I haven't made Bible study in the past three weeks I think so anyway time to get back 
That's the beauty of confession. You get to hit a reset. Mm -hmm. I just went to prayer this morning and we do our confession time. So Catherine and I are in a small group at our church where we we pray once a week together. Mm -hmm. And before we get to our asking part of the prayer, we follow the ACTS acronym, A-C-T-S, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. And during the confession time, many of us, I I myself confess that same thing that you just confessed. Oh, really? Of not Mm -hmm. spending time in the word. Yeah. You feel it too. And we all, we're all women in this group. And so we all talked about the holidays and how you get your checklist together, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and you, you get all that stuff done because that's like the tyranny of the urgent, Mm -hmm. the the urgent stuff screams. Yeah. Fix me. Do me. Yeah. 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 Right. (laughs) It does. Mm. But then the things that are really important get kind of pushed off to the side. So let's just all hit a reset. Maybe Mm. somebody listening is feeling the same way. Like I haven't had much time in the word. Mm -hmm. Get back into it. Yeah. Do All it. right, good. Okay, um, our third point of why to celebrate in difficult times, I think we pretty much covered all that. I mean, it's just so important to stay encouraged. Yeah, it goes hand in hand with our second takeaway. Yeah. We do it because it's good for us. We have to. Um, <laughs> the alternative is not pleasant. Right. And right? We, if you think of spiritual warfare, right, we just mentioned fear. Mm -hmm. The spirit of fear, there's a real evil spirit and it's of fear. Mm -hmm. And that does not come from God. It comes from the enemy of God. And so you counteract that with what? The spirit of hope, spirit of peace. Absolutely. We're in a spiritual war, friends. For sure. All right. um, Our call to action is to bring hope and peace to others. To other people. Just do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a few scripture to share. One of them is John 16, 33. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And mm-hmm. Second Thessalonians 3.16, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace and, all, and at all times and in every way. Mm-hmm. The Lord be with you all. And then the final one was Philippians 4, 11 through 13. I love this one. It's the Apostle Paul. Yeah. He says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Mm -hmm. I think that's where the key is. Yeah. It's in the spirit. For sure. So it comes from within, friends. If you're going through a rough time, get close to the Lord. He'll see you through it. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say, Catherine? No, it's about time. We got to wrap up anyway. All right. Well, you've been listening to the Life Happens Laugh Anyway podcast. I'm still comedian Tracy DeGraff. I'm still Catherine. See you next time.